Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing today? I am doing very well, John. I'm dreaming of a Nespresso machine. I wish I had one right now in the room I'm recording in. That is apropos of nothing, of course, but no, I'm doing okay, oh. my friend. It is cold over here in the UK. I know oh, in Florida, it? it's you're having a cold snap, but God damn uh. It's cold over here, so um, I'm hoping that speaking to you and engaging of our wonderful listeners and talking about tonight's film will warm the soul a little bit, but um, it's, it's cold. But how are you doing, my friend? How's Florida? Well, um, it's it's warm, actually. Uh, you, we were on a cold snap. Today, it's up to 82, so it like comes and goes <laughs> as Florida does. Um, so it's it's not it's not currently cold, um, but it's, you know, we're, uh, we're staying busy here. I have a... a get to go to a friend slash former student now co-workers wedding on saturday so that's exciting nice. um i haven't been to a fancy wedding in a long time but uh I, getting I'm excited. Suited booted? I, I, well i'm getting as suited as i can which is a button-up shirt and dress pants uh that's, Would it be that's movie themed uh it is not it is not it is <laughs> uh this wedding Ooh. is is one of the fancier weddings where we were actually asked to wear like color theme clothing so like i had to buy a specific shirt just for this wedding um, okay. and, uh, but it's, it's going to be very nice. And there's like, uh, I'm very excited about the food and, uh, the company. Um, one of, I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this on air, but like one of my resolutions, uh, I pretty much my only resolution for this year is to, uh, to try to make some new friends, um, because of the pandemic and people have like, I, a lot of my close friends have either moved away or, you know, sometimes you just grow apart because your time is, is different or your experiences are different. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to be out there a little more, which is not something I always am good at doing. Um, so uh, a wedding feels like a good opportunity. You know, my wife and I will be there. Maybe we'll meet a couple of couples who uh, they want to go and watch a movie or go to dinner together sometimes or maybe play a, a board game. I don't know. My wife's not a big gaming fan, which always makes it a little harder. But so, you know, I mean, I'm excited to to get this opportunity because, you know, it is like uh, we have an actual like seating arrangement. So I don't have to like I'm I'm not good at like approaching a table and asking if I can sit there, but if I have to sit there, I'll sit there That's with people. And I can, you know, clearly if you're listening to the show, you know, I can run my mouth. So uh, once I get talking, that's, that's fine. It's, it's the getting me to start. That is often the, the, uh, challenge out in the real world but i'm I'm excited about that well, um, oddly enough i'm just the same my friend once i start i don't stop and it's usually just a uh, a load of old drivel but um yeah i'm not i'm not the most best at getting myself out there sometimes um uh though i do like it when like i'm like you like when you get the invite you think oh no oh no but when you get there you have a great time um but it's just yeah once we start talking damn yeah, and um, it's funny because, like, small talk for so many people, right? Like, I'm not great at small talk, but it's funny for some because they think movies are small talk, and they start with me. They're Like, I was at uh, a, a place getting a service down on my truck, and the mechanic was like, oh, there's this new movie coming out. with uh, It's like there, the guy goes back in time, and he's, like, shooting dinosaurs. And I kind of oh, look yes. at him like you don't realize what you've just done. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> here is way more information than you wanted to know about that movie, because like this is what I do. On Brody or suddenly on you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Oh, you, you've entered, you thought this was going to be a quick conversation, but you've walked into the world of cinema that you were unprepared for. Sir. So yeah, um, it's, it's your own well, actually moment right there. 
Yep, I'm hopeful that uh, whoever is sitting with me uh, does not think bringing up movies will not result in way too much information because it will. Because um, that's all I or, know anymore, folks. Or if you just sit there um, when it goes quiet, if you could kind of kind of cough. Jurassic Park. Pardon? I didn't say Jurassic Park, and then go from there. Just kind of cough and throw things out there. And um, did you? What did you say? Oh, I just cough. Sorry. And then you go going from there. Exactly. You, you can introduce it yourself. Oh, do you like movies? Have you seen any movies lately? And they're like, yes. I'm like, well, let me list all of the movies I watched last year. <laughs> all 180 of them. No, uh, folks, we are here to talk movies tonight, though. And yes, we're going to talk one that I saw two weeks ago originally. And that I just rewatched um, because my it's in theaters and I saw it on a digital screener. Um, Matt, I got to ask you before I say the name of the movie, even does this fall into 2022 for you or 2023? This falls into 2023 for my, me, my friend. It was released officially. I think that's the 6th of January over here. So ours released like a week early, but in very, very limited release, but early enough to qualify as uh, a 2022 release. Yes. So it is officially a 2022 release here in the States. And then it is not there apparently. So, um, that's a man called Otto that we are talking about today. It is a 2022 film here in the States, a 2023 film over there in the UK. Uh, it's a remake of a 2015 film called A Man Called Ove, which is based on a novel. Um, it's uh, directed by Mark Forster, uh, written by David McGahey, um, at least this American adapt- adaptation is. Uh, it stars Tom Hanks as Otto Anderson and Truman Hanks, which I've done no research, but I'm assuming Truman Hanks is Tom's son. Uh, yes, it is. Yep. Okay. Um, who plays younger Otto Anderson? Uh, young being like 20s. Um, Mariana Trevino as Marisol. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounced that. Rachel Keller as Sonia. Manuel Garcia Ruffo as Tommy. Uh, Alessandra Perez as Abby. Cameron Britton as Jimmy. Um, Mac Beta as Malcolm. Juanita Jennings as Anita. Uh, Emily Ellison as young Anita. Peter Lawson Jones as Ruben. And Laval Schley as young Ruben, um, the premise, and I'm going to elaborate a little more on the premise than what IMDb did here, but this is from imdb.com. Otto is a grump who's given up on life following the loss of his wife and wants to end it all. Never mind. I'm not going to say anything extra. I should read these in advance. When a young family moves <laughs> in nearby, he meets his match uh, in quick-witted Marisol, leading to a friendship that will turn his world around. Um, currently, and this blew my mind. Uh, remember I saw this a couple weeks ago before it was even officially released. Um, and I was shocked to see that it has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critic score, a 97 audience score though, yep. a 51 meta score, which I take huge problems with a 7.5 IMDb user score and a 3.6, uh, on letterbox. Now, if I recall correctly, uh, listeners, who have listened to the Bampy Awards have already heard me talk about uh, a man called Otto, I believe. Yes. Um, it was my number five uh, for the year for 2022. Now it was not eligible for, for Matt's because he had not seen it. Um, but I saw this movie and immediately it jumped up to my top five. Um, Tom Hanks was in the running for best. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's number three on my best actor list. Just edging out Bill Nighy, not Bill Nye. Bill Nighy, not that guy. Uh, for for living, just just nudged him out because I do think that performance from Bill Nighy is incredible and I love it. But 
I am a Tom Hanks fan. Um, I went through a weird phase when I was in high school where I didn't like Tom Hanks. I don't know what I was doing. I think it was maybe because I, I was trying to be like that cool guy who didn't like rom-coms and he was doing like Sleep in Seattle and all of the rom-com era of Tom Hanks. And so I was just like, whatever, he's lame. And I don't know where that came from, but I did finally get over it. Um, and I've become obviously a huge Tom Hanks fan. Uh, he earlier this year gave one of his worst performances ever in Pinocchio. Um, and I think he gives one of his great old man, Tom Hanks performances in a man called Otto. Uh, the hardest part for me, I did go back and watch a man called Ove after I saw this the first time. And I think that movie works a little better because I don't know anything about the lead actor. I don't have any you know baggage coming into that movie about who he is. Tom Hanks does a great job playing a grumpy old man, but I know it's Tom Hanks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, I can't ignore that detail. Like you're not that way, Tom Hanks. I know that's just an act. I know there's a big, you know, squishy guy underneath that exterior that you're currently showing. It's not a criticism to his performance by any means, but in my head, like he's instantly lovable, which I don't think that's the case with a man called Ove. I think you have to kind of slow burn, realize that there's a good man in there Mm -hmm. when at first he's just not. And I, for me, this movie instantly I'm on, I'm like, yeah, I know, I know you're a sweetheart though. You can't, you can't pretend with me, Tom Hanks, not saying that that's exactly what happens, but that is kind of like, for me, I'm struggling with that one thing. Again, not a criticism to his performance. I think he is tremendous in this film. Um, the highlight of this movie to me though, is uh, I thought uh, Mariana Trevino as Marisol was fantastic. And the chemistry between the two of them was so incredible. Um, I, adore this movie i i liked it so much the first time around but i watched it at home and i will admit uh, as what happens at home i did look at my phone a couple of times not because i was bored but because i was home and that's what happens so seeing it on the big screen i noticed an artistic element from director mark forrester that i had not watching it at home and one such detail uh, that I was really moved by watching it in the theater was the first time we see Truman Hanks as young Otto. He's buying a, a train ticket. And in the reflection on the counter is Tom Hanks's Otto, even though it's the young Otto that's standing there. It was a very subtle way of kind of showing us that this is the same person without having to go, Hey, my name's Otto. You know, it's like, Oh, we're seeing flashbacks now of this thing. Um, this movie is funny but it's also extremely emotional. And I do think that's why we're seeing a 51 on the meta score is I could see people saying it's too saccharine or that it's uh, maybe because it does deal with suicide in a not lighthearted way, but in a, sometimes it's used as a entry into some morbid humor or into a joke. And mm-hmm. um, that is in the synopsis here. We're not going to talk about any of the details with that, but it does say, given up on life following the loss of his wife and wants to end it all, which is the key phrase that the marketing fails in this movie. Like if you go into this movie from the trailers alone and you don't know, it's a remake of a movie called a man called over. You've never uh, read the book. You would probably be surprised that Tom Hanks's character is trying to kill himself. Yeah. I, it's not in the trailer. Um, in any way, it's not implied even in the trailer, right? It's just like, hey, this grumpy old man is going to get his, you know, comeuppance because yeah, of the, the trailer. So something different, isn't it? Yeah, and shame on you, marketing, for trying to mislead people. Because some people, you can't laugh at that. Uh, you can't laugh at this idea. And for those people, I think they're going to be very unhappy with this movie. Um, and I, I don't think suicide is a laughing matter. 
But I think the scenarios in this film, it uses to have a tough conversation that I think it does very, very well. Um, I love this idea of families are who you make them. And that's something I, I always, it's a, it's a easy checkbox for me. And this movie hits on that really hard. Um, there's also just some genuine kindness. And uh, there's, there's the actor uh, Cameron Britton who plays Jimmy. Jimmy's like a beacon of optimism in this movie. Every time he's on screen, <laughs> I just smile because he comes off as like real goofy in the trailer, but there's a sincerity and kindness to him that you yeah. just, you can't ignore when the movie's on. And I love so much of that. I just, I, I love every vibe this movie's putting out. I also, I do, I connect to Otto in some ways that I'm not inherently proud of that, you know, people are idiots sometimes and it doesn't mean you don't help them though. Right. And that's kind of the lesson. Um, I also, there is, uh, I don't want to get too into specifics, but there is a character in this film that I obviously will get controversy because people make it controversial, especially because the person's treated with dignity and respect. And yep. some people don't feel like those people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Again, I'm purposely being vague. Cause I don't want to spoil anything. And I do feel like it's a reveal to a degree. Um, but I, I thought those interactions were, were sweet and heartfelt and genuine. And mm-hmm. again, well really emphasize. Well. Yes. Right. And they hit hard and it, it's a slight alteration from the original, but not a, extreme alteration yeah. it's just they they kind of updated it from a few years because i think it's a bigger hot button issue now this specific thing than the one in a man called Ove. but i obviously really love this movie it's in my top five from last year i i think tom hanks is fantastic i think marisol's fantastic uh marina Tre- Tre- trevino mariana trevino sorry i like butchered her name worse this time um i also think the kid actors who don't get a, they're not asked to do a lot but i think what they do is really really well executed and um, good, good on Mark Forster for being able to pull that off. I, I always, to me, a, a child's performance is usually the credit to the director. So, um, yeah. and it could be credit to Tom Hanks because I've heard he's really good with other actors. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he like kind of coached them up in those sequences. But I had a blast with this movie. Uh, I was, you know, just to to deviate for half a second, but my theater my local theater rarely packed. Right. We, we also showed up late cause it was like a last minute decision that we were going to go. And we like, were walking in as the movie started. Like I even sent Kathy in ahead of time and bought the popcorn. Cause I was like, I've already seen it. So I can miss the first couple minutes. And so she, she goes and has to pick our seats and we're not in a good seat because it's packed. There are so many people like, and they're all old people. We are by far the youngest couple in the, in the theater. <laughs> what, what day did you go to see it with your wife? Uh, we, what, what age? What, what, what day? day? Oh, I'm sorry. A uh, Sunday, Sunday at like, uh, I think it was like 1240 or 340. So but yeah, it was like middle of the day um, on a Sunday. It was really, really packed. Uh, the most packed I've seen in a theater in a while at this mall. Now, to be fair, I've not seen Avatar at my local theater because I saw it at a screening and I've yes, not sir. gone to see it here. So that those have probably been pretty busy. But this I was shocked that how busy it was, but I was also looking around like some of you aren't going to like this. I'm like looking at the audience. Like, I know you, I know you people. <laughs> you can just and, I don't think you're gonna... and so like, I, I watched the crowd a few times. Like when I knew a scene was going to be like kind of tough, I like kind of like looked back and was watching people. And I was like, waiting, is anyone going to walk out? Like from the first you know moment. And it seemed genuinely loved, man. It seemed like everyone in my theater pretty much vibe with it. Um, Kathy really liked it a lot. I cried even more this time than I cried the first time. So I, I love this movie. Sorry. I've, I've gone on too much of a ramp. Uh, but man, I have two questions yes, uh, before you tell me your thoughts on this. Did you see a man called Ove? I have not. No. 
Hmm. Okay, so you're going into this just like I did the first time. I had no I'm done no... in blind. Yeah. Cool. I want to hear your thoughts, man. What did you think of a man called Otto? Uh, well, from the director of Quantum of Solace comes a man called Otto. Um, this wow, film is wild. better than Quantum of Solace. God, Christ. Um, yeah, no, I watched the trailer for this, and everything you said is, um, firstly, who doesn't want to hear JB talk and talk? We all do. Um, but I, I totally agree with your point on the trailer that when you watch it, it feels like a kind of feel-good comedy, you know, feel-good kind of dramedy almost you know there's, there's a lot more com- light-heartedness in the trailer than there is in the film and like you said the film maybe could do with a trigger warning beforehand because it does deal with themes which are surprisingly dark surprisingly heavy and weighty considering what i was sold <laughs> in the marketing now obviously the synopsis that uh, is out for the film kind of touches upon otto in his state of mind but some of the sequences in the film start to drift into places where you think okay this is you know this isn't funny anymore you know this is just this doesn't feel funny this feels quite this feels almost voyeuristic um and but then the overall tone of the film is more of a dark comedy and i had a good time john it's listen it's one of the it's one of those films it's it's i'd call it irresistible almost because you you watch it, you know where it's going from minute one. You can probably guess where this film is going. And the further the film goes on for me, only reinforced my belief of what was going to happen. And then it ended up happening. Um, but Tom Hanks is so good in this. You know, Tom Hanks is great. Tom Hanks is, you know, America's dad. And now he's soon to be America's granddad. And he's always been, he's always been a kind of beacon of, hope that positivity is kind of like a, a contemporary mr rogers in a way you know kind of a lower level um and here he's playing he's just playing a grumpy old geezer but he it, it fits him so well and i don't know if it's because we know like you said that it's tom hanks really and you know he's he's a nice guy but he plays it well and you're right he gen- to start with he's genuinely just awful he just is again he's not he's not necessarily like bad to people it's just obviously yeah. his attitude and the way he treats people and the kind of curtness and um, brash way he talks to people and the kind of stomping around the neighbourhood. It could be seen as aggressive or intimidating. He's not a protagonist you would want to root for. And he's certainly somebody I'd cross the street for if I saw walking towards him. I'd think, nope, no time for this. But like you say, then you get the supporting cast coming in, especially Mariana Trevino, who I think is wonderful. Her kind of like bubbly firecracker mm-hmm. performance and persona bumps up so well against Otto's uh, attitude in this film, and it's like the unlikely, the unlikely couple, the unlikely pairing, shall we say, in this, where it's you kind of it's like a powder keg almost when you watch it. I'm almost waiting for Otto, which he does it during it, to just say, you know, just just, just shout, "Go away!" Basically, you're you're too much for me. But she's so sweet, Marisol, and her husband as well. That that kind of what do they what does he call him? The nitwit, this lovable nitwit mm-hmm. of a husband, and the kids are lovely. The oh, um, the only um, what's not the even Alvin crit- wrench. I need the Alvin wrench, please. The that's it. He's like, Alan wrench. Yeah, no, it's, it's Alvin. No, I'm pretty sure it's an Alan key. That's right. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the gags are like, the gags work as well. There wasn't anything in this on that. Before I move on to that, off that point, the the, the jokes work or whether it's kind of incidental or an actual setup gag, they work more often than not because 
there's no winking at the audience here. Everything's delivered in a natural sense. The only thing, uh, one of the only things I'd say, which I would strike against a film, and this is a negative, this is, this is, this is a nitpick of anything, John. It's not really anything more than that, but we get to see some interesting characters from around the neighborhood, but we don't really get to spend a lot of time with them. They kind of pop in and out. And the one I was watching, I expected maybe a little bit more from them due to how much they were being used, but we don't, they aren't really more than just, um a specific person you know, the, you you fit into this category you are this you are this person you are that person type of person and it's fine you know it's not it's not a big deal it's not like these people weren't set up to be full on supporting cast but it would be nice to do, to see and find out a bit more about the neighborhood but um and the only other nitpick if you really if if you really want to be a pain if you really want to be a critic is just what i said at top up the top you can see what's coming from a mile off but the fact that Tom Hanks is so good. Mariano Trevino is so good. The gags at work and the the messages within this film and and how they deal with them, and also Otto himself. You know what he's been through, how he copes with it, and how he eventually uh, develops as a person make up for for the shortcoming. I mean, how many times have we looked at a rom com? How many times have we watched a coming of age story and, and said the same thing that you know it's formulaic, but when you get that formula right, it's damn good to watch. And I yeah. and I found that with a man called Otto is that it's you know this isn't this isn't reinventing the wheel. It's not doing anything like that. And 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 great if you can see what's coming a mile off, fine. But it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the film. I had a good time watching this. It, 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 I mean, it has feel good moments to it overall. It is a feel good film. Uh, at the end of the day. Uh, of course, yeah. we'll dive more in with our spoiler review in a few days' time. But I know I, I did enjoy this, JB. It didn't overstay its welcome. I wasn't bored during it. I was uh, I was engaged with it. I, I enjoyed it when new, these new characters came in and uh, Marisol and her family came in. I think it. Uh, I think the dynamic changed just at the right moment. The character that you mentioned, which we'll save, um, I think that was a well placed inclusion as well in terms of the actual. Um, part in which this character was introduced i think it actually that it was perfectly placed and and how the film ends up i mean it's it's formulaic but in the best way jb i had a very good time with this tom hanks was very good in this and i'm glad to see that mariana trevino is getting a lot of praise as well for her performance so yeah if if you if you like kind of if you do like a a dramedy or the kind of coming of age style of film where you, you you might get it early on come and you'll enjoy this i haven't seen the original i don't know how different it is or i haven't read the book but um, i had a good time with it jb there's i would say uh, a big storytelling mechanism of this film is uh it's told through we we learn of young Otto and his wife sonia through flashbacks that part is yep. the same um in a man called ove but the flashbacks are significantly different and uh i feel like they they Americanize the speed in which those stories are told. Like we, um, they, they kind of linger on some of the flashbacks and we get a little more like in depth with some of the, uh, we start with a much younger auto and like, we see more progression yeah. as he gets older, um, before meeting Sonya, even which here it's like, it's very much focused on Sonya, which I think you could make an argument is better because that is the emphasis of the story. But I did enjoy all of the flashback stuff in man called Ove. Um, but and that's in my head the only way this movie's got a 51 is that a lot of critics are comparing it specifically to a man called ove but i think this is a really good american adaptation like we've we've definitely had some stinkers where you're like why did you remake this 
and while we don't necessarily need a remake of A Man Called Ove, because that movie does exist and is very, very good, I think this is a good adaptation. I think it, it, it's different enough to justify its existence, but it's true to the source material as well. So it's not it's not changing themes. It's not overstating anything. There's little nuanced differences. Obviously, the setting is slightly different. Um, but overall, I think it, the messaging is there. And because it is seven years apart, uh, probably closer to five when they started filming this, right? Um, some of the, the adjustments reflect this time period. Because while seven years isn't that long, there are, like, the topics of discussion right now are not exactly the same they were seven years ago. So they've updated those little little things, like the inclusion of that one character we've mentioned a couple of times is slightly different. Um, it's a related but different issue in the first movie. Um, but still, like, you know, it, it's reflective. And again, so the times have changed and you get some adjustments. Yep. I think they did a really good job with that. Again, I did start here, so maybe I'd feel slightly different if I went into the first screening with, like, this predisposition for O, where I saw this and then went and watched O. It was like, oh, both are great. I like both. Like, I have no issue with either. I enjoy both of them. And I am going to be a little partial towards Tom Hanks because I'm partial towards Tom, Tom Hanks. But, you know, that's, that's Tom here Hanks, or there. Man, isn't it? I'm just um, having a quick look through the the brief kind of negative reviews for this film because I, I, I'm just interested in what is the overall consensus because I was kind of thinking maybe people thought it's just you know too familiar maybe that's why they'd knock it down but it seems to be and something I don't necessarily agree with and this is just from the ones I've seen that people a lot of people are saying it's it's a manipulative film oh, which do you know what I think I actually think Forster deals with uh, Otto and his his depression and his grief and his way of handling it. I think there is a, I, I don't think it's mawkish. I don't think they, they, he dramatizes it. I actually think it's done fairly sensitively. I don't I think do they're trying to actually yeah, look, there are moments where, where they will tug at the heartstrings because yeah. this is, this is what this, we mentioned formulaic. This is just part of the, the journey, but a lot of people are just looking at it. So a lot of people saying, that other people saying that tom hanks is miscast other people are saying it is too sentimental and too ott Um, i i have an issue with that it's like first of all people embrace emotions because that to me both of those things like it's not emotionally all movies are in some degree a manipulative right like we are creating something to make you feel something like that is something John Williams score in every movie is there with the intent of making you think a certain thing at that time so yes, all movies are attempting to make you feel something. It is a ride. That would be like saying a roller coaster is manipulative because it's spinning upside down. It's like, yes, that's what it's trying to do. You've like, got joy is, out of this, you awful person. It wants you to cry at the scene. I think this movie earns those moments. So I feel like you are invested yes. and yes. you are embracing it. And when they happen, you are there. And yeah. um, there are movies where I have felt like, oh, you... To be honest, Skinnamarink, a movie I'm going to talk about in a little bit, yes, the jump scares in that film don't feel earned to me because <laughs> they're just like flashes on a screen suddenly when you've shown me <laughs> nothing but the wall for 20 minutes. Yep. Like, of course, you're going to scare me. Well, I don't know that you're going to show anything other than a wall. Like, yeah. And then suddenly this comes up. There are there are some, and again, let's let, let let's get this out of the way as well. Everything is subjective. We are not saying you yes. are wrong or these critics are wrong right. for not liking the film. 
I mean, I, I, I don't look, I mean, I didn't look, and I'm somebody with an awful radar for sentimentality and satire. And I mentioned it so many in my reviews that sometimes things just feel manipulative. I did not get yeah. that. I didn't get that here. I look, I get that they want you to feel something by the end of yes. it. They, they, of course they do. But that's just the way this story is set up. This day, I don't think Mark Forster or or whomever wrote this novel to start with, sorry, looked at it and thought, right, I'm only going to write this, only going to write this story, so I can make people, you know, cry or or make them rethink something. I think you'd know it's not. That's not what happens. If somebody saw it that way, fair dues because I've seen films that way, and which maybe others haven't as well. But yeah, I don't. I think this film actually had, there is a quite a deaf sensibility to how they handle lots of the moments in this film which could have been either too much they could have gone too dark with it or it could have been played for laughs and i don't think they do either of those i agree with that and i guess um i i don't know sometimes it feels like people and i used i used to avoid movies that made me sad for like a long time like i just Mm -hmm. didn't want to watch something that would make me cry i now embrace it um and I, I've asked, like, I had people watch the Florida Project, and they were like mad at me, like, "Why would you make us watch such a sad movie?" I'm like, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's, it's good, like it, it can be good and sad, and that's what I yep. feel like this is. And I also think this is happy at times too. Like, I, happy sad is a phrase I've stolen from Sing Street, but I will continue oh, to use it. Film. This to me is a movie that's happy sad. Like, yes, you will cry, but man, I felt good about life um, because the movie is ultimately arguing that life is worth living there's always something worth living for. And sometimes we forget that because sometimes life is hard and sometimes we're sad. Sometimes things feel overwhelming. And I think this movie is uh, painting an optimistic perspective. And I, I sometimes feel we need more of that and less cynicism and negativity. So, Indeed, my friend. No, I, I agree with you. Well said. It's a fine way to end off. Uh, I'm looking forward to diving into this a little bit more on the spoiler minisode in a few days, though. Indeed. We'll get into some details then, but for now, let's move to our next segment. This is Chopped Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news headlines that caught our attention. This was a big week because we're in awards season. Um, so Ooh. we're going to start off with uh, some announcements and then looking back at some uh, winners at some other awards. Matt, uh, what is your headline for this week? I didn't think I'd stray too far from home this week, JB. Uh, the yep. BAFTAs, the BAFTA Awards, they, their nominations have been revealed for the British oscars and there's not really i mean uh, depends who you ask i don't think there are too many surprises here in with with the baftas the the main surprises if you will is that top gun maverick wasn't up for any major awards above the line awards avatar is only up for two awards i think glass onion is isn't up for any in fact actually but uh, I look at the I look at the nominations. I'm not going to go through all of them as we never do on the show because we'd be here forever. But the link is in yep. the show notes. In terms of the the best film, that unlike the Oscars, the Baftas only run with five. And do you know, I mean, I, I mean, contentious possibly for some, but the five films they've gone for are Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Elvis, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, and All Quiet on the Western Front um elvis is the one that sticks out to me there i th- i think it deserves its place in the top 10 top five though that's yeah. that's interesting um they, they always have outstanding british film which incidentally does have 10 nominations and there's some fantastic films in there banshees uh good luck to you leo grand which i thought was great um yep. living matilda's in there uh the wonder somehow see how they run fit well fell in there as well uh, film not in the English language is very similar to what we've got from the Oscars. Decision to leave's in there. Argentina 1985 is in there as well. 
animated, no surprises. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell, Puss in Boots, and Turning Red. Best director, though, there are six nominations, and mm. uh, I thought I'd throw these ones out. Edward Berger for All Quiet on the Western Front, McDonough for Banshees, Park Chan-wook for Decision to Leave. I was very happy to see that. Uh, the Daniels, obviously, for Everything Everywhere, Todd Field for Tar, and just like me and the Bampies, Gina Prince-Bythewood for The Woman King gets awesome. a nomination. Uh, best Original Screenplay, Triangle of Sadness, is in there for Ruben Ursland for Best Adapted Screenplay. This is an interesting one as well, because you've got The Quiet Girl from Colm Bade has snuck in there alongside things like She Said uh, and Living. I thought Living would be, and I'm surprised Glass Onion isn't in Best Adapted, but um, Lead Actress, this this one actually is getting a little bit of contention online, but you know what? Twitter and that's like when it's award season, it gets a little over OTT, but Anna de Armas has been nominated here for Best Actress for Blonde alongside Kate mm. Blanchett, Viola Davis, Danielle Deadweiler for Till, who was very good in that film. Yes, uh, she was. Emma Thompson for Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. We've got to get a British actress in there. Uh, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere. Lead actor. This is, again, this is, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure the Oscars will quite go as far as this, but you know, Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser, Colin Farrell, Bill Nighy, happy with that. Paul Mescal from After Sun has been nominated alongside Daryl McCormack for Good Luck to You, Leo Grandy. Um, that was a fantastic double header in that film for anyone who hasn't seen it. Well worth watching Emma Thompson and um, Daryl McCormack are very good in that, but I think the BAFTAs are going to be kinder to them than the Oscars will not because they're not good, but it's because they're British. And then just finishing off supporting actress, no real, uh, no real uh, surprises there. Uh, Dolly DeLeon from trial of Sagnus has snuck in there Uh, in terms of supporting actor. Again, no, well, no real surprises. Eddie Redmayne for The Good Nurse is in there, and Michael oh. Ward for Empire of Light is in there as well. He's really um, good in Empire of Light. So. He is really good in Empire of Light. Uh, I'm going to film my shall mention uh, later on. And then in the below-the-line uh, categories, there's not too many uh, not too many surprises there. Of course, Avatar's up for best visual effects. Uh, so that is a kind of very quick run-through because – there are we we mentioned last week and during the Bampies that sometimes there are films or categories in the Oscars that you ask ten film fans to nominate and maybe three out of the five places everybody will pick and then it's just a case of one or two other others in there and with the Baftas there's always that it is always a lean towards British talent which is which is fine as well it should be um, so it's great to see. Um, Daryl McCormack, Emma Thompson getting their place up there alongside Paul Mescal and Michael Ward, who I think is a great up and coming British actor. Um, and yeah, like the, and the best British uh, films, there's 10 films there of which are very strong. Sometimes a list can be a bit, <laughs> can be a bit thin, but this year I think there's some very good films in the British film lineup, but um, it's an, it's another step on the road to the Oscars, JB, the BAFTAs, like the Globes, like the, uh, like the other miscellaneous critic awards can play a part or can change the betting or can change people's mind when it comes to the Oscars. However, with the BAFTAs, for the most part, dude, it's, it's as you were apart from maybe things like Anna de Armas getting into best actress, but uh, anything on that list, which you thought, what the hell are you doing there? Not, not specifically. Um, It is, is this like the closest? Because I I think we get the Oscar noms on Tuesday. The Oscars are next week. Yeah. Yeah, so like that's it feels like there's not a lot of time for the, the this nominations to really affect the votes for that because I 
I don't know when they vote, but they have to have already voted, right? Like they're not calculating them the day of. Uh, so I think yeah, I think they I think it's mid February that they that they stop the you know the voting stop the count is mid February. Um which gives them well a week or a week or two to get the get the votes in. So um yeah, that's ne- next next well, gee, I wonder what one of the headlines next week will be. Yeah, I mean we will <laughs> definitely be talking about the nominations, but um and but you know, the BAFTAs are like I would say the number two movie award, right? You know, it's it's the Oscars, the BAFTAs, and then it used to be the Globes, but the Globes have really fallen off, so we're not taking it yeah, as serious. I'd agree with that. Um, but I think maybe the Critics' Choice Awards might be the one that's going to have up. I think I don't it's know. sneaking in, JB. Um, it did seem significant to me, and that's what my headline is. Uh, so Matt just Ooh. laid out the nominations for the BAFTAs, the actual yes. BAFTA awards is a month or so away, right? Like it's February ish. Yes, yeah, yeah. And the Oscars I'll is get early that March, date I think. For you now, early March the 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 Oscars is I think March the March the twelfth, eleventh, maybe because I've got the day off ah. afterwards, which is a Monday. And the BAFTAs is February the nineteenth. So yeah, one month today with Richard E. Grant hosting. I am on spring break, the week spring of the break. Oscars. And I'm going to say this on air, Matt. Maybe, maybe we should do a uh, live commentary, like record it remotely together, but uh, watching the Oscars, you know, talking about it while we're watching it. Because doesn't sound like a bad idea to, to me. I, I kind of think it could be a fun uh, little bonus episode, but we'll, we'll see if a we live can... reaction to the best best pictures and then hopefully, hopefully they wheel out. Um, oh, I can't remember the names now. You know who I'm talking about to make a balls up for the best picture again. Oh, uh, Warren Beatty and Warren Faye Dunaway. Beatty. Yes, uh, um, I guess I I am. Oh, we'll talk about it next week because I uh, we need to focus on this. But the Critic Awards have happened. The Critics Choice Awards have happened, and there yes. are some really great winners. So I'm just going to kind of go through this big list. It, it's not as many names because these are the winners, and yep. uh, the only downside is there's also TV. So I'll try to skip over some. Except there is one TV specific movie thing I want to give a nod to. Okay. But, Critics' Choice Awards, Best Picture, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, huge, nice. big thing. Um, but Best Actress went to Kate Blanchett, which the Globe went to uh, Michelle Yeoh. So oh, it's, interesting it's here. It's on a knife edge, isn't it? It is. It's going to be very, very close to see, which I, I'm pretty sure it's down to those two for the Oscar. But I think you're right. Um, we'll see. Maybe there'll be a curveball. Uh, Brendan Fraser wins Best Actor for The Whale. Um, we get the Daniels as Best Director, which is mind-blowing to me that the guys i i think they deserve it mind you but they are the guys who directed the turn down for what music video are now <laughs> critics choice award winners and definitely locked in nomination for oscar Definitely. um we get uh scrolling down because there's all these tv things um do to do best animated nope that's series best cinematography goes to top gun maverick yeah some really great cinematography can't deny that but it's still like considering where we went it's it's cool to see um, yep. Best production design went to Babylon. So, hey, Babylon got some love. Mm-hmm. Uh, best editing everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. Uh, best hair and makeup is Elvis. Uh, visual yeah. effects, what a surprise, went to Avatar. Um, <laughs> no offense to that either, because that's totally, if anything, that's deserving. That's pretty much locked in. Del Toro is pretty much locking in the animated feature, which means Netflix will get its, if it does hold true and it wins the Oscar, Netflix will get its first picture Oscar. It's still not best picture. But it is best animated feature. Everything else that yep. they've won anything has been for acting. Um, I think only, uh, and I don't think they've won that either. But they've, I, I in my head, Marriage have. Story had to win. Um, I know Apple TV was the first streaming service to win a yes. best picture Oscar or, or a major Oscar. Yeah, for Coda. Yeah, um, that's right. 
But this this award, I have to talk about best actor in a limited series or movie made for television. Daniel Radcliffe for Weird, the Al Yankovic yes! story, is wild, <laughs> and uh, it also I I'm pretty sure it won for best limited movie um, as well. I'm trying to find That's it. I great. swore it did, and I'm like, what? That is wild. Uh, but we get a lot of other n- nominations. Um, and there's again, there's so many drama series. I'm trying to. Oh, best foreign language film is RRR, uh, which it's Getting cool seeing that. But Matt, best song. Natu Natu RRR. Finally, someone did it. If it gets the Oscar nomination, which this gives me hope that it will, we're going to get to see Natu Natu performed live at the Oscars. That's going to be just, bonkers. How? I wanted. I just. I can't imagine it being bad. Like it has to be fantastic and amazing. I. If you haven't watched RRR, listener, it's still on Netflix. But even if you're like, oh, I, I don't want to commit to a three-hour uh, Hollywood film, Google Natu Natu on YouTube. And or go to YouTube and search not to not to and watch the the, the scene from the movie because that it's scene alone outrageous. Is you so put incredible. on your Instagram stories, didn't you? How they how long it took to choreograph and, and yeah. nail that scene. It the the work and craftsmanship that went into that and dedication and probably some blood, sweat, and tears is out is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's so it's so it's not i i want to say it's underseen or underrated, but it's not. It's it's got a lot of love. Um, but yeah. I'd love to see more. I think um, people wanted to get a little bit more, especially for Natu Natu. I think people are slightly underwhelmed that lots of critic awards or or, or things like the Globes aren't aren't recognizing it more. Yeah, and uh, yet it's there's a good chance, small chance, it's going to end up with an Oscar nomination. Um, I'm hopeful, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the the rundown. Um, I'm pretty happy with seeing the results. You know, we have that in the Globes now to kind of base it on. Uh, I think everything everywhere is looking like a real contender for best picture. And that would be insanely incredible. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there, my friend. It's between that, um, you, the Fablemans, uh, is also up there as well, pushing on a lot of experts, um, award radar Banshees is, I think the Banshees is an outsider, but it's up there given the strength. I think of it has the, a good chance though. I think it does. I mean, look at this. It, 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 there's a high chance it could win for screenplay is a high chance it's going to sweep some of the acting awards, possibly a nom- I imagine a nom- nomination for McDonough. Uh, so it's, I, I expect fully expect it hundred percent expect to be nominated for best picture hundred percent, hundred and one percent. But I think everywhere, everything everywhere in the fable ones, I think are leading the best picture race for me. And then some other ones, I think then you've got yeah, Colin Farrell or Brendan Fraser, who's going to win best actor, Michelle Yeoh or Kate Blanchett, who's going to mm. win. I mean, I know who. I mean, look. There's always ones my my heart would prefer, but at the end of the day, not all four of those performances are spectacularly good. And then they you are. get to supporting actor and actress as well, and it's it's hard to it's hard to separate. It does sometimes just come down to the emotion of it, like we said in the band piece. Uh, sometimes it is just how did it make you feel, rather than technically how good was it. And I can't wait. Yeah, the the the, the Baftas, February the nineteenth, my friend. So one month away now. Um, it is. I, I would. I would put it second in the in the food chain. I'd put it. I still put it a few rungs below the Oscars because that really is to Daddy. But um, the Baftas is respected, and I I'm going to enjoy watching it. And hopefully, it's going to be a little precursor to what we get next month at the Oscars, my friend. Indeed. Well, those are our headlines. Uh, we will probably be talking about the Oscars next week. But in the meantime, <laughs> yes. let's move to our next segment: media consumption, the movie, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. That we use to pass the time between episodes 
Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? Um, a bit this time because I, I worked this weekend, so I worked from home, so I had a bit more time to to watch stuff. I actually got to look in my email and look at some screeners and that. So, um, or go out to the cinema and watch some stuff. So, uh, in terms of listening, I, I listened to the Double Toasted podcast again and their fun movie reviews. I also listened to the Happy Sad Confused podcast. There was a great interview with Barry Keoghan. Uh, about the Banshees, about Batman, about his role in that film and any potential roles going forward, uh, his role in uh, Eternals and the MCU, uh, and just he, him coming from his background in Ireland to where he is now. Very interesting. And uh, the latest one was Jordan Peele and Hoyt Van Hoytemer, the director and cinematographer of Nope, of course. Uh, that was it, it, it was probably 70, 80% Hoyt Van Hoytema than it was Jordan Peele, but that was very interesting to hear them talking about the process of making Nope, and Van Hoytema is now Christopher Nolan's go-to DOP as well. So it is, that was cool, getting an insight behind the scenes of that and trying to eke out what Jordan Peele's next project is or any kind of idea about how Oppenheimer's going to play. Uh, so that was a fun conversation i I do enjoy happy sad confused and it's and it's usually about 45 to 50 minutes so you can blast that one out easily enough um in terms of i played a video game john i played the quarry after you recommended until dawn a few years back and i had a blast playing that um i i saw the trailer and i think we mentioned it before the quarry that is some kind of like a spiritual successor to the quarry not necessarily a sequel but it's very much in the same vein that all your decisions have a knock-on impact on the story. And these are the games I love, John. Sometimes I struggle to get into games if I haven't got any kind of connection. But games where, like this, where you everything you do actually matters. You can totally change the course of the story. I had a great time. It's, it's very short. I played it. I played through it in one evening. That's how short the game is. I, but, I've um, started it, but haven't beat it. I need to just, like, do that. Um, I, I did like it. I would say I preferred Until Dawn a lot more. I think you do more in Until Dawn. I found in the quarry that I was just watching a lot of cutscenes, a lot of them, um, occasionally making a choice. And then my role would pretty much be to walk between a room or walk up a path to get to the next cutscene. So it wasn't, I wasn't doing as much as I was in Until Dawn. I didn't mm. feel like I was doing as much as in Until Dawn. But no, I had a good time. I managed to kill most of the <laughs> gang. In One person I did on purpose, to be fair. But, um most of them I managed to keep alive, but the quarry is good fun. I rented that and had a, had a blast with it. Uh, very cool cast. Again, they always do a really good bang up job with the cast in it. And it was fun to see David Arquette as a cop who had to, who at one point says, I'm going to tell mum. I was like, ah, <laughs> it's like doofy from scary movie or Dewey from scream. Um, uh, the TV one I mentioned shortly, because I know you've watched the same in terms of films. I watched till I mentioned Danielle Deadweiler was in it. And I think she is, uh, just as good as everybody's saying. Sometimes you see a film and you hear that one of the performers is is excellent, and you think, ah, kind of spoils it now because I'm going in with high expectations. But till uh, I think this was your most feel bad film, generally because of the subject yeah. matter, and it's is is a film which is dabbling in obviously the death of Emmett Till, the uh, the lynching of Emmett Till, the young black boy in the uh, I, I can't remember what the decade was in now, one say the fifties. Um, and the aftermath of that, and of course the all of the social changes that it brought about. But of course, it's dealing with a very heavy subject. I thought the film itself was uh, was alright. I didn't think the film itself was excellent. I thought it was good. I thought it, at times it felt a bit like it was just moving from moment to moment, like I was reading an article. But I think Daniel Deadwood is very good, and I think there's a lot of good performances in it. Um, and there are moments in it which are um, which do hit hard. 
Um, yep. So Teal, Teal was a good film, but Daniel Deadweiler, uh, I think she's very good in it. Tar, I watched Tar. Uh, Kate Blanchett talking about Best Actress. Now, Tar is a film which I thought was very good. Um, I think Kate Blanchett is also very good in it. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost a given, isn't it? Come on. Kate Blanchett is good. Hot take. She's good in as an actress, but she's really good here with what she's given to do. I think the film tails off a bit for me, the further we get into it. Now I've spoken to a few friends who think actually it ends really, really well, you know, subverts them completely. And it's a really, uh, strong ending. I think it, it loses its way somewhat um todd field does a very good job directing it It does have a kind of aronofsky feel to it in terms of things like black swan and that but i i didn't love the film tar i think it's very good but i didn't i i didn't think it was you know 10 out of 10 i'd probably give it a very high eight eight and a half maybe because i did think it's really good well i am too yeah there we go then uh, kindred spirits and, and kate blanchett is is that good however if you would put me on the spot, I would say I would I would put Michelle Yeoh as my favourite for the Oscar. Now having seen both performances, but again, it is it's you know it's it's a paper width. If Kate Blanchett wins, then she's winning for a very good performance. Uh, John, I saw the Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's film about himself. That's pretty um, early for you, right? Because it's not officially out till February. It's uh, it comes out in a week or about a week, I think, over here. But okay. um, I managed. I've been able to see it early. And I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I liked it more than West Side Story, which isn't a knock on that film. But you know, it was it was a remake of a of an old film, whereas The Fablemans felt a little bit more original. Um, and I enjoyed it. it I, I thought it was a bit too long, but I I did enjoy it. I I liked the dramatization of Steven Spielberg's life, uh, the dynamic between Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. I enjoy. I think Paul Dano is really he's really good in a role which he doesn't often take. These kind of kind of cuddly roles i'd call it i think it's sort of tender roles i think he's really good in this michelle williams too is very good and uh forgive me i can't remember the young young dude who plays sam now but he's he's very good as well it's it's i know it's it's gonna sound boring john but it's a spielberg film so all of the elements in play are great the cinematography in this film is excellent this film looks excellent it's the acting is good. I thought the score was very good. I thought the screenplay was good as well. Um, I was, I was very impressed with the, the Fablemans. Uh, I can say though, if I was going to, if, if, if I was going to look back now, I don't think it would displace many of any of my, I wouldn't take any of my Bampy choices away in terms of acting or the best director or cinematography. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm safe in that, but I enjoyed the Fablemans. Babylon. Babylon, I'll blast through these, but Babylon, you know how much I love La La Land. Like everything everywhere to you, blast it into your top five. La La Land did the same for me. I, I love that film. I can watch it ad nauseum all the time. Whiplash is, is outstanding. First Man has really grown on me. The first time I saw it, I was just a bit underwhelmed. And then the more I watch it, the more it hits me, the more I get it more more and more. A lot of that's down to Justin Hurwitz's score and, and Gosling's uh, and that I kind of under more understanding of that performance and Claire Foy's excellent as well. Um, but Babylon was a film I'd heard with so many divisive things about, uh, and I, 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 I get it now having seen it. It is a wild ride, John. It is wild. You've seen my thoughts on it. Uh, I, I liked it. I certainly didn't love it though. That's what I can say. It, it the whole thing is the ex- excess of old Hollywood, the transition between the silence and the talkies. And there's homages through and through Babylon. It is a, it is a kind of a distorted love letter to cinema. I know some people have said it's a perfect love letter. I don't think it is, 
but there obviously the homage is to singing in the rain to the classic films throughout are there but it got it honestly i started to feel like delirious during i was like this is this is wild this is mad i'm not connecting with any of the characters really um i think the performances were good and i think brad pitt margot robbie bring their a game um i think everyone in it is very good i just couldn't connect with them it just the it just got too much for me uh as we went along and it is yes i'm gonna say it john classic bamp cliche it's far too long for me it really was too long by the time we got to toby Maguire and the area that he, I, I liked him but the areas of la we go to there i was like what the hell is going on <laughs> but it ended strong it ended very strongly i know we've spoken about that but the ending of babylon is strong but so it's not a film i disliked but uh, for me, I don't think it, for me, it doesn't stack up as well in Chazelle's filmography, but it is, it, it also feels like Chazelle's just saying, screw it. I've got a bigger budget. This is the film I want to make. I'm going you know, I'm, I'm cutting loose and I'm going to make it. So fair play is it, another thing I've said about people like Shyamalan. I would rather Damien Chazelle go out and make a bonkers film like Babylon, than make a safe film about, jazz or whatever you know something more in his established wheelhouse so i'm quite glad to see damien giselle coming out of his relative comfort zone and coming out with something as sprawling and wild as babylon and i'm telling you john i'm still just as excited for whatever it is he does next this hasn't put me off i'm not a giselle hater anymore i I did enjoy babylon it just didn't it just didn't grab me like i hoped it would um i watched a film called sick a peacock original film called sick um so Oh, sorry. Go I, for it. That keeps coming up on my radar, and I keep forgetting about it. So I don't know. I sent you a message in the chat, but I don't think you saw it. Um, in our other chat, now. um, in the the WhatsApp chat. Um, but we could do a whole episode on that movie next week instead, because that is also readily available. So I don't know if, if you liked it enough. You haven't said yet uh, that we cover it because I believe the filmmaker is the original writer of Scream, right? The the right the Kevin Williamson yeah he wrote this film he wrote the first two Scream films he may have even done the third or at least wrote a treatment for it um, so he's kind of um, he is credited for some of those kind of nineties horror films like Scream like I know what he did last summer the voice of the nineties he was called I think he did Dawson's Creek or as, as well was one of those shows so he's kind of had his finger on the zeitgeist of the time and sick is a very tight you know it's a very topical timely horror film it's dealing with an extremely topical subject which will rub some people up the wrong way and some people it, it will work for um, i thought it was good i thought it was a very very tight thriller it's about an hour and 20 minutes long this you know you're once you sit down and start having your popcorn you're halfway through and the film's halfway done almost but um it it does it, it does what it says in the tin it's it's written by the guy who wrote scream so there, there's 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 your starting point. I won't go into much further into it, but there is your starting point. You kind of know what to expect, and it's very timely. Uh, in terms of next week, what I would say is uh, we do have another film lined up as well, potentially. Yes, I'd say w- watch both of them and see which one you feel. Um, because I'd be more, I'm interested to hear what you think about sick uh, about it as well. If you're if you're up on it, if you're bang up on it, then we'll do that. But if the other film, if, I guess if we're both bang up on that, we'll. We'll do that one. Do it's it's not a bad choice to have at the end of the day. But um, so, listeners, we will have two possible movies for ne- our next episode. In other words, but both are going to be on streaming services, uh, which is not normally the case. But one is a Netflix movie, and one is on Peacock. So we'll yes. let you know uh, through socials before uh, we record next week. But 
Yes, we will, sir. I'm, gone. Oh, I'm almost done. This is not like me. This is, this is usually your part where you just well, I let you run loose. But, yeah, um, it's all the, good. The last film I saw was Empire of Lights, the Sam Mendes film, Olivia Coleman, Michael Ward, Toby Jones, et al. And um, <laughs> yeah, I know you like this film. I thought this film, I thought this film was a good film. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't blown away by it. I thought it was. I thought it was very solid, though. Like like you, I, I think Toby Jones is excellent in this. He's such an underappreciated yeah. actor. I think he's great. Not to say Olivia Coleman isn't, because she is. Uh, Michael Ward is very good in this as well, and I love the setting. Uh, I've got the British sea, the old in the eighties, the British seaside town. Uh, and again, obviously, it's set in the the days of the early eighties with the National Front and when racism was rife or rifer shall we say in the united kingdom and i, I liked it th- this story i th- this is one i felt got a bit a bit kind of sentimental for me and th- it it touched on a lot of uh boxes for this time of year which i thought was a bit telling you know what i mean it was re- it was released at this time of the year and some of the subject matters it goes into are kind of very indicative of this time of releases for this time of year, but I didn't dislike it at all. Um, I, I just thought it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, again, it wouldn't have been challenging my Bampy awards, but I liked it, John. I'm not one of the people who says it's dross or garbage. I don't think it's garbage whatsoever. I think it's perfectly decent. Um, so empire of light was the other film I saw. And finally, John, the last of us, I know I mentioned last week that I'd watched it, so I'm not going to go on about this one, but I rewatched the last of us on Sky Atlantic over here because the version I got, actually to be fair, the version I got was fully finished. Some of the other ones I got were, you know, VFX work in progress. Uh, so I wanted to watch it to see if the uh, finished product was any different. It wasn't. It's for me, for me, it was it was riveting again seeing it second time around. It's just, I think it's one of the, it, I think it's a, d- a damn near flawless first episode of the Last it, of Us. But you, my great. friend, I'll, I'll throw it to you now because I know you saw it, and then obviously take it away of what you've watched, my friend. Yeah, I um I haven't watched as many movies, although I have a couple of things I will discuss. But uh, Last of Us, I it's a series that I I love both games. Um, it's one of the reasons I bought a PlayStation three back in the day because I hadn't, I was, I've always been more of an Xbox guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like both systems. I like both systems, but um, I was very late to PS three and uh, I bought it uh, partly because of that game. Um, and then I love last of us too, even though some people didn't, I, I enjoy both games. Oh, I love it. Um, the adaptation is, is very, very true to the game. I don't know if maybe too much, Though at the same time, I know for years we've been complaining that the the adaptations are nothing like the game, but I've seen a lot of shot for shots, and it's it's like they are just kind of it's different. But the thing is, folks, if we haven't learned anything from the year twenty twenty two, and I guess technically twenty twenty three now, but Pedro Pascal needs to be in just more stuff because y'all dude, he, he's so great. He is he's charming, but he can do all the range of emotions. He's just funny, like if you. Did, so many people, I think, slept on the Nick Cage movie last year, the um, unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes, but oh my god, he's so good in that, and he's great as Joel. Like he's so good. I I am so hyped for next week. It's exciting to to have a series where I feel like I want to be there when it comes on. Um. So yeah, all in on on Last of Us. I unlike Matt have only seen episode one. Uh, yeah, this is again. Uh, I'm not gonna. I, I won't and can't spoil anything else, but the the last of us just just from episode one and you know you know me uh, john i love mando i love dinjari and i love star wars but 
this is, this is a showcase for Pedro Pascal tenfold more so than Mando will ever be. Um, and, you know, that's not a knock on that, but Pedro is excellent. Indeed. Um, I, I'll say with TV, I finally finished the Central Park uh, season three. Um, that is the animated series on Apple TV Plus that is uh, same creators as Bob's Burgers. Um, an incredible voice cast. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it all the, all the time, but I did like... I watched like half of season three and then I, I stopped just cause I got wrapped up in like uh, screeners and stuff like that. So I finally got back, finished season three. It is an incredible show. Apple TV plus doesn't have a lot of content for the, but it's still, it's one of the lower priced um, fees uh, for the monthly like subscription, but it is uh, everything they have is pretty good from what I've seen. Like I haven't really run into any duds. I'm sure there's some on there and I just haven't watched everything, but the stuff that I've watched, I've been very, very happy with. And I'm missing a few of the big shows that I'm going to be watching this year. I hope um, including severance and uh, slow horses, short horses, small horses, slow horses. I think is what it's called. Horses. Um, Gary Oldman, man. Um, Yeah, man. I've seen the adverts for that over here. Yeah. It's supposed to be good. Uh, But yeah, so, um, but Central Park, highly recommend if you have Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, as for podcasts, I listened to the Blank Check uh, episode for Wendell and Wilde. They have finished the Harry Selnick um, series, and we're about to start Danny Boyle, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, audiobook. I had checked out a couple weeks ago the um, Where the Crawdads Sing audiobook uh, because so many people love the book that I was really disappointed with the movie. I was like, well, I got to see what the hype is. So um, book, 100% better. Um, I like okay. the movie fine. It's fine. Um, Daisy Edgar Jones is great. I think that's who it was. She's great. Yeah, she was very good. Um, but I thought there were issues with the story, uh, the story overall. Yeah. And um, so the book definitely better. Part of that is though, because you, it, it's actually not just because you're in her head for the most part. Um, it is because the structure of the story is better than the way they structured it in the movie. Um, that is significantly the change. And I like it so much more in the, in the book. Um, but, uh, highly recommend the book. Um, I thought it was really good. Um, movies. Uh, I caught, I went out of my way to see Skinamarink. And if you were listening earlier, I did not like it. It did not <laughs> register well for me. I found it to be, um, I'm all for, like limited perspective, but I generally want it to make sense as to why we have a limited perspective. And in my written review, I point out like the Blair Witch Project, we understand why our camera angles are minimized because it is only in the cameras that they are filming their mockumentary or documentary with, right? Yeah. Like, so we understand why we can't see certain things because we're, we're limited to their cameras. Um, or if you go like paranormal activity, we are limited to the camera placements based on the security footage and the cameras that they put in the house. So you get why you can't see certain things. Had this movie addressed that, I probably would have been okay with it. But at the end of it, it is an abstract style film that I I have used the uh, analogy of Jackson Pollock paintings. Jackson Pollock paintings, if you're not familiar, listener, are the... uh, throws paint on canvases paint splashes paint splatter and they sell for lots of money and people look at them and they go ah the anger the emotion yeah and i look at them 
and I see paint splashes that's and that's all <laughs> I see something that anybody could make. And I, it's not even me saying it's not good. I just don't feel that it's as impressive to me as someone who can paint a portrait of somebody because okay. I know okay. I can't do that. And that's what Skinner Inc. feels like to me is like, okay, this is interesting. And for the first five minutes or so, I was like, Ooh, I wonder what this could be. And then as the movie just continued to be nothing, I was just irritated and felt like none of the stuff made any sense as to why we were limited in our perspective. Um, I don't know that you can make an argument that it's a better, if we had done a traditional film with the same premise, that this would be a better version of that. I don't, I can't, fathom a case where i wouldn't have preferred to see a more traditional film with the same story um instead i felt annoyed irritated and mad i saw it in a theater by myself mind you so i was a little worried because i'd heard it was scary i was like i want to be terrified because i'm alone (laughs) and instead (laughs) i was just venting my anger out loud because there was no one there to hear me so i didn't mind like being irritated um anyways I, I'm not that type of movie apparently just does not click well for me. Um, I then stayed and saw house party, the new remake <laughs> of the, I guess remakes not fair, but the reimagining of the same story from the 1990 yeah. film. Um, it's mostly bad. There are some funny parts. The last 30 minutes is pretty solid. And there's some awesome cameos that really make the movie watchable. Um, I rewatched uh, a musical from 2017 called stuck. Have you ever seen this map? <sighs> I, I don't think so. No, it's not ringing a bell. It's a small budget film. It's not like a, uh, it was not a wide release, but John Carlo Esposito is kind of your lead. It's only 90 minutes. It's uh, like seven people end up stuck on a subway. One of the things that I really like about it is that each of the characters are very distinctively different. Like we have a Latino character. We have a, uh, a homeless man. We have a young white guy. We have an Asian female. We have a black female. We have an older white lady. And they're stuck on a subway train together and songs occur. Um, they're all, it's, you know, dealing with very serious. I could see someone saying it's, it's um, pandering or um, even like, not quite saccharine, but there is like this, we can all learn to, to get along kind of vibe to the film. But I'm uh, about to start musicals with film one. If you are a student in film one, you have not been told that yet. Welcome. Um, but I would like to try to find movies that, that my students can see themselves on screen. And while old musicals are pretty great, like I love singing in the rain, it's pretty white as well. And so looking for uh, some diversity, um, it's not a genre that it's full of diversity or, you know, it is unfortunately full of, of, of some older actors in blackface. And I don't want to show those movies. So I was looking for some more diverse options and stuck is one that I, I, uh, I think is, is worth checking out. A lot of people, it's got middling reviews on letterbox. I really vibed with it. The first time I really, really liked it. It dropped a star for me this time. I think it's like a four star type of movie. And it's mostly because of my ratings on things, but um, I, I did rewatch it and to see how, if I thought it held up and I do, I think it's pretty nice. good. Now I mentioned last uh, time, and this is not on the notes, but um, IB film, one of their assessments is called a textual analysis. And I am given a list of films from IB uh, that I, my students cannot know what they are until the day the project starts. And from the day they're told what the movie is, they have four weeks to watch the movie, uh, pick a five-minute uninterrupted excerpt from the film, analyze mm-hmm. that excerpt, do research of other analysis of like the filmmaking techniques and what it's saying, and then contextualize it to the whole movie. Um, and they have exactly four weeks. So I'm 
of the movies that have been prescribed, which I cannot list, I had not seen a few of them. So I'm working my way through that list, but I can't say what they are because if my students happen to find out what they are, I am violating the policy. So I can't log it on Letterboxd. Okay. I can't say it on the podcast, but I have watched a couple other things that I can't discuss um, that I've enjoyed. So, you know, there's that. Um, and then gaming. I, I'm playing God of War 2018, uh, enjoying that finally, um, and playing Marvel Snap on my phone a lot. I really, really like that game. Nice. But that's the episode, except before we go, we got to check the old uh, yes. levels. We got to make sure we're staying functional because the world can be draining and we have to ensure that we are keeping our bloody awesome levels at their highest optimal performance. Matt, what are you doing to stay bloody awesome? I am doing gaming, JB. I uh, mentioned that I've been playing on The Quarry, the which is something I've been enjoying. I've got my PS5 now. And for a few weeks, I haven't really used it. I played on, um, I think it's called Astro Boy, which is kind of like a game which you use to test the uh, DualShock controller. Mm. I played Jedi Fallen Order, the PS5 version. I played parts of it just to see the differences and just to kind of test out the PS5 and let it flex its muscles a bit. Um, and then I kind of just didn't really play for a bit. I played a bit of Modern Warfare with a few buddies from work, but uh, I, I was like, I've got, I've, I've got this rental thing. One, I get some games in. So I got the quarry. I enjoyed that. Sent that back. I've got a game called Ghostwire Tokyo, which has turned up today. So I'm looking forward to playing that. It's not a game I'd, not one I wouldn't usually get, but. Uh, I think it's about a guy who is, oddly enough, in Tokyo and he has to fight against kind of paranormal spirits in a future Tokyo, I think. But it, it, it's got good reviews, I think, and it sounds quite fun and it looks good. So I've gone for that. Uh, so I'm kind of, for me, branching off now into things which aren't the established. I mean, I've never heard of this game. People probably listening now saying, well, how could you not have heard of it? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who plays jedi survivor the last of us uh, maybe god of war so you know the, the the big names your triple a games that everyone's heard of so i'm kind of deciding now let's let's use this what it's for let's play some different games let's and let's just enjoy gaming again i haven't enjoyed gaming properly for mm. about 15 years i think i've said this before like the longest time I and mean, i've had a playstation 4 for about the last eight years but I haven't, I haven't been a gamer i play star wars battlefront i play nhl or fifa but that's kind of sporadically. I wouldn't just, it's very, very rare when I actually get a game anymore and just sit through it and power through it, unless it's one which I have a specific interest in, like The Last of Us Part Two or something. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just gaming, my friend. I'm, I'm spending a bit of time a week gaming because it's a nice way to kind of let off steam, I find as well. The only problem is you can play it before you know it, you're four hours in and that's your evening gone. But uh, for me, though, yeah, just, just a bit of gaming, JB. But what about yourself, my yeah. friend? Um, I put writing for my saying nice. awesome because um, I saw Skinnery and I saw House Party and both uh, disappointed and irritated me. Um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't going to write a review. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to write. And once I started writing, I had a lot to say. And I, I really took my time trying to articulate my perspective, especially with Skinnery, because I know mm-hmm. it's getting a lot of positive buzz. So I really wanted to uh, stand, like really make sure that why I didn't like it was articulated, not even blaming the movie, but why it did not click for me and what um, I thought, you know, was lacking. And, uh, you know, I, I, after the pandemic, I feel like I really, I've written less over time, I've focused more on the podcast. Um, and I, I don't want to stop that, but I, I do want to try to write at least like one thing a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've uh, two weeks in and I've, I've, I've succeeded. I've written a couple of things each week. 
Um, and that's what I want to do. I'm not going to write a review for every single movie I watch, like I did the first couple of years. Um, but I do want to try to write, especially for newer stuff. Or if I, if I really have something to say about a movie, whether it's new or old, I'm going to try to make sure I do write. Um, sometimes I don't feel like I'm adding to the conversation per se. You know, I'm just regurgitating what people have already said. Like talking about a Hitchcock film at this point feels pointless. It's, it's been done uh, ad nauseum. But mm-hmm. if I, if I have something that I think is new or if I feel like, um, here's my take on it. I, I'm going to be more inclined to do that. And it's something I want to do. I, I want writing to be fun and not feel like a chore. Cause this is, you know, I don't make a lot of, I don't make money doing this. I get to see movies for free, which is a saves me money, mind you. Cause I yeah. do see a lot of movies anyways. Um, but I want it to be uh, more valuable. So I, I, this week I've had fun doing it and that's what I want to keep that feeling, you know? Nice. No, yeah, I've, I, I know what you mean. Sometimes, especially when we do a show which is as bloody awesome as this, there is a tendency to think, well, I, you know, I, I could write about it, but, you know, I'm going to mention it on the show. It's easier to kind of s- yeah. spend two or three minutes talking about it and articulate it that way. But I know what you mean. I, I mean, we've mentioned this so many times in the last five years that like you go through dips and troughs, but sometimes, if, even if you just got to kind of push yourself to do one a week, not push yourself, that feels negative, but you know, set yourself the goal of doing one a week and then before you know it one becomes two two becomes three and you know you're, you're, you're putting you're putting a few out and it does feel good it, it feels like you know, when you when you tidy your house and you look back and think God, i'm glad i did that because you know it feels like something's been lifted off you a bit so i'm looking forward to reading your skin and marine review my friend i haven't read it yet i'm going to read that uh, i got an email today from i think it's shudder who said that uh skin and marine has now made over a million pounds dollars yeah, at the box office which is like 67 times its budget yeah it's crushing that and i i, I love seeing low budget horror being mm-hmm. successful i like that with terrifier 2 even though again i like terrifier 2 much more than skin and Break. i still don't think it's a masterpiece of a movie yeah, for what it but is i still am glad that it did well and i am um i'm hopeful megan's doing really well this is doing really well we're getting a couple megan's of other got a uh, sequel, dude. Bear. yeah um so you know i'm okay with it doing well but I still like, for me, I'm just like, this is to me, just whatever. But again, yeah, you know, we enough. project ourselves onto things. And if you can do that with that movie, then cool. But for me, I'd rather have watched almost anything else. Um, Fair enough, my friend. That said, next week we will be back. We're going to be either uh, reviewing, I believe it's Jung E on Netflix, which is uh, the same director from Train to Busan and Peninsula. We've covered... Uh, Peninsula on this podcast. I think we've definitely talked about Training Busan, but I don't think we did an episode on it. Um, and uh, we are going to be either talking about that or Sick, which is on Peacock. So either way, we're doing a streaming movie next week because uh, Missing is coming out in the States this week, but not in the UK. So we don't have a new release and neither of us really want to see Plane, apparently. So we're just like, let's move on. Um, yeah, I, I had a screener screening invitation for that, and I thought you know, I, I politely said I'm busy that night. Hey, look, it might be great fun, but I don't really fancy traipsing up to London in this weather to watch Plane. Yeah, and I've actively not gone to see it. Like I've had days where I'm like, I could go watch that, but I really just, and it's not even. It doesn't look bad. It just looks like I've heard it's quite good. Yeah, I've heard it's better. It's got a better meta score than uh, Man Called Auto, to be honest. So you know. <laughs> Um, I guess I should probably try to see it, but I'm going to go see Missing this weekend for sure. Lucky um, in fact, if I'm hoping I'm going to go see it in about an hour and a half. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But we'll be back next week. In the meantime, follow us on social media. Um, on Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And on Twitter, 
We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And we're still on Facebook and Hive and stuff. You can just search for us and find us on those different platforms. Um, individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all our social media platforms. And where can they find you, Matt? Uh, you can find me whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take a moment and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. Uh, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 blah,